values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, happy Thanksgiving week from the Mike Broomhead Show. Hope you got big plans uh, as we carry you through until noon today. Um, we're going to talk about a lot on the show, but education is a big topic here, and uh, I've explained why a bunch, but I'll do it briefly for anybody who's new to the show, and thanks if you are new to the show for listening. Um, I am not formally educated by my own choice. I was had a great, solid foundation in elementary and middle school, was a very good student, A student most of the time. High school went off the rails, didn't care, wanted to work, started working at 12, working full-time at 15, just wanted to grow up, and I didn't take high school very seriously, but thank God for the teachers that gave me the tools to learn. For me, that's the biggest part of who we are is the tools to learn. Are we lowering our standards in education now? Um, and this could be a, a bright spot for some people, and I'll get to that in a moment. This could be a blessing in disguise for some. But as a nation, where are we going? I want to read a couple of headlines. The American Bar Association drops the LSAT requirement for law school admissions in the name of diversity. Now, I think that's insulting, first of all. Because what that is saying is that there are people that are non-white that can't pass the LSAT, so we're going to get rid of it. And that's the law school admissions test is what the LSAT is. Um, We are going to get rid of it in the name of diversity. If I were non-white, that would insult me. I've used this example many, 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 many times. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what gender you are. There is something in human nature that when the standards are set high for you, you usually reach the standard. And I've watched it in, I've watched it work itself out. I've seen it happen. When I was, I know this is going to sound silly to some because it's not the same here as it is in other places. When I played Pop Warner football, um, I was 11, I think, the, when I first started, 11 or 12 when I first started. And um, there would be 60 people, 60 young men trying out for a 30-man roster, which meant they were cutting kids at 11 and 12 years old. The standard was high, national championship caliber. When I coached in Pop Warner football later on, and then I coached in high school, but when I coached in Pop Warner football, um, we recruited in an area that was the projects. And there were a lot of non-white players on this team. And we had a standard for every single one of our players for grades and for attendance in school. And if you didn't meet those standards, you came to practice and did your homework with one of the coaches on the picnic tables. You showed up on Saturday for the games. You didn't get to play, but you supported your team. And because of that standard, every single kid on that team, I don't care what color his skin was, elevated their education level or their grades. It was amazing. It works when you raise the standard. So here you are saying in the name of diversity, non-white students don't have to pass this test because they can't. I think it's an insult, but it's also dumbing down America. Um, Here's why the top U.S. universities may be pulling out of high-profile ranking systems. Top law schools may be pulling out of the national rankings in order to keep a focus on diversity on campus over academic qualification of its students, experts say. So I want to start with just those two. Um, The idea is insulting 
that non-white students can't make the grade. And if if we have areas of this country, let's say areas of this valley, where non-white students don't have the same access to education, then we have to fix that. And I'm talking about elementary, middle school, and high school education. Um, there is access to it. We have got to stop lowering standards because kids will meet the standard. Are you? We're going to give a participation trophy to law school students. It makes absolutely no sense. People can reach the mark if you keep the standards high and then give them the resources to meet the standard. I would never have been able to excel in either one of the two careers I've had in my life if I didn't have a basic education and the ability to learn. And it's a shame that I didn't figure out how important education was until I was older. But there were adults who did, and there were adults that made sure as a young person I learned to read, that I learned to comprehend. All of those things helped me. The math skills that you learn at the high school level, which I was terrible at, but I had a basic knowledge of math that when it came time for me to become an electrician – and take my tests to be a journeyman and then a master electrician, that the algebraic equations for wire sizing and conduit sizing and voltage drop and all of those other boring things to you that were essential in my career, I was able to comprehend and learn and excel at. And what we're saying to people now, and it's unfortunate, is that because of the color of your skin, you don't have to meet the same qualifications as everybody else. And what that does is it doesn't it does not push people to be as good as they can be. And I've asked this uh, question, this rhetorical question. Imagine, imagine Larry Fitzgerald. The great Larry Fitzgerald. Imagine if they said to Larry Fitzgerald during his NFL career that he didn't have to learn the entire playbook that all the other white teammates had to. What an insult that would be to Larry Fitzgerald. Do you know that in Larry Fitzgerald's career, he had more tackles than he had dropped passes? I want you to think about that accomplishment. As a wide receiver, he had 39 tackles. Fumbles or interceptions, whatever. He had 39 tackles and 23 drop passes in his entire career. Can you imagine telling someone as smart and as talented as Larry Fitzgerald, you do not have to do what everybody else is doing in order to make this team? The NFL would suffer. It would not be the league that it is. The game would suffer and the athletes would suffer. When you take a world-class athlete, and that's what those men on those fields are, when you take a world-class athlete and you match them up with the work ethic and the coaching, you get the NFL. You get the best of the best. A guy like Deion Sanders, who had world-class talent, also had world-class self-discipline and world-class work ethic, and it made him a Hall of Famer. What we are doing when we dumb down education in the name of diversity is telling people that because of the color of your skin, you don't have to meet the standard of someone else. What it does is it it breeds division. It breeds dissension. But it also is telling a group of people without saying it straight out to their face, you can't do what everybody else does. And that's a shame.
we should give everybody an opportunity in education. And sometimes people have to work harder than other people. You know, in our family, we didn't have much. We were very poor. And for a for a time in my life, I was a middle class kid when my parents were married when I was young. But my teenage years, we were very poor because my parents were divorced. My dad left and my mom was fending for three boys by herself. So it changed a lot of things for us. But it isn't really where you start. It's where you end up. But it, and it's not the situation you're in. It's how you handle the situation you're in. And until you realize that, I will tell you that all of the things in my life that were hardships in the minds of some, I look back now on some of my best attributes. It is some of the things that I was able to overcome. And when we tell people we're going to lower the standards for you because of what's happened to you or because of the color of your skin, we're going to lower our standards. First of all, that diminishes their accomplishment. I just hope, I hope we reverse this. Lawyers don't have to pass the LSAT to get into law school. Amazing. Let's hope that this doesn't continue. Um, we are going to talk about immigration. There is a very, very low chance of any kind of an immigration deal before the end of the year. That's according to the Democrats that control the Congress. So we're going to talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. Coming up bottom of the hour, Ron Wolfley is going to join me. We usually do our bird's eye view segment after the Cardinals play, but they're in Mexico City, so it's going to be easier to preview the game and talk with Ron Wolfley about the injury reports and all things Cardinals. We're going to do that in the bottom of the hour, about 15 minutes from right now, so stick around for it. I want to talk about immigration because I've been frustrated like everybody else is that nothing is getting done. Here is a headline from Politico. Democrats confront bleak odds for immigration deal before 2023. So getting something done for the dreamers. And I will say to you that if you want to look at how fractured and broken our immigration system is, look no further than the dreamers. These are children that decades ago were brought here, many of them decades ago, brought here by their parents. They had no choice in the matter, raised in American schools. By all accounts, they are Americans. They don't remember the the country they came from. Then they are here. They are now ready to be productive citizens and adults in our society, whether it's going on to school, it is going on to the military or, or, or into the workforce. And they're finding themselves hitting roadblocks. This goes back to presidents. An executive order called the DREAM Act was signed by President Obama. It is not law. It's an executive order. There is no legislation that says in our, you know, what we are going to do with these people. And it needed to be fixed a long time ago. The frustrating part for most of us on immigration is that it's continuing to happen, that now with the influx of people coming, and it's a growing number now that Title 42 has been defeated, that you can no longer use Title 42 to expel people from the country. It is going to further incentivize people to come here. There is a story about Venezuelans that are stuck in Mexico that have been waiting for a way that they know they can come across and have a good likelihood of being able to stay in America. Now with Title 42 being defeated in court, it looks like that mass um, group of people, that massive group of people are going to march north into the U.S. So we look at these things and it frustrates all of us. How do we, knowing what the frustration has been with trying to deal with the people that are here, and these are people 
They didn't do anything other than follow their parents into a strange country. Should there be accountability for their parents? Yes. Should there be accountability at all? Yes, there should. We should never mix. We should never put together completely illegal and legal immigration and call them all migrants. I think it's a disservice to the people that did it the right way and something needs to be done so that we slow down the tide of people coming here illegally. And we also have to make sure we increase the ability for people to come here legal that legally that want to be part of the American dream. I believe all of that to be true. All of it. But we look at what's going on with the dreamers. We look at what's happening that we cannot settle this piece of legislation. And you have to – there's blame on both sides here. The Democrats will say it's Republicans holding it up. But if you remember, it was the Democrats that shot anything down being done as former President Trump. For all of the people out there that dislike that, the former president and what happened on January 6th, all of those things, look back at what that president tried to do. He gave the Congress six months to come up with regional, reasonable legislation that protected the dreamers and more dreamers than were protected under the Obama administration's Dream Act. But it also revamped the immigration system. It got rid of chain migration. It got rid of the visa lotteries. It got rid of a lot of things. Those are the things he wanted to do. And Democrats went to court and they fought against it and they were able to get it stalled in the courts and we're still in the same spot. So this is not all on the backs of Republicans. This is also on the backs of Democrats. The idea that you're going to fix this by, well, we're going to get one thing done at a time. First, we're going to do something for the dreamers. Well, wait a minute. You're balking at first. We're going to do something about border security. So both sides are standing their ground, and in the meantime, the immigration system in America is as broken as it's ever been, as it's ever been. So why aren't we, why aren't we as Americans, as the voting public, as the employers of these leaders, why are we not screaming at them to do something to get something reasonable done. And here's part of the issue. If you, I, I've been talking a lot lately about the Republican Party in Arizona needing to find a way to uh, change the way they do business to win elections. But I would say that both sides of the aisle, we need to do something about getting something done because the base of both parties refuses to be a part of any working together. If you are a if you're if you're a demo, well, look at well, look at what Senator Kirsten Sinema just endured. She crossed the aisle and said, I don't think we should get rid of the filibuster. I'm not going to get rid of the filibuster. She got censured by her party. How dare you work across the aisle? We sent you there to be a Democrat. We sent you there. You can't work across the aisle. Your base will hammer you. There is a very good chance. That Congressman Ruben Gallego is going to challenge her in a primary for that Senate seat next time around, which is fair game. I mean, everybody gets primary. There's nothing wrong. With it. It's not illegal or wrong. But when you are someone that crosses over, we all say we want people to work together and we want to get something done. And then when someone from either party does that and compromises and said, listen, we're going to get the bulk of what we want. Something has to be done here. And we've got such a thin majority. In the House, and, and, and it was a 50-50 split, at least it is right now in the Senate, we realize that the American people are not necessarily sending a mandate on which direction we should be heading. We should be working together, but the base of the parties won't allow that to happen. And so what happens is somebody decides, someone on the Republican side of the aisle says, listen, I'm willing to come over and vote on a piece of legislation that takes care of dreamers, and we do something with our immigration system. 
But you have to come over, and that piece of legislation has to be real border enforcement and border security. That Republican gets hammered by the base in the Republican Party. And the, the opposite happens with people that are doing it on the Democrat side when it comes to working with Republicans. That's where I think the change needs to happen. All of you out there that have stayed out of the system, that haven't voted, that have abstained because you don't want to be a part of the nightmare that is you know, the elections here and the nonsense that happens – you could fix it if you would engage and you would vote and you would make sure that you registered and let everybody know your voice is going to be heard. You would be the person that makes the changes happen. Coming up in a moment, Ron Wolfley joins me from Arizona Sports. We're going to talk Cardinals with our bird's eye view segment. Stick around. Broomhead talks Cardinals with color analyst and former Cards fullback Ron Wolfley. Oh, my digging the chili of what the Cardinals are mixing up. Bird's Eye View, brought to you by AZ Valley Windows, Arizona's most trusted window replacement company since 2004. All right, your Arizona Cardinals are in Mexico City, which means we're going to get a preview instead of a post-game wrap-up with Ron Wolfley. He joins us now. Wolf, welcome back. What's up, Bruce? Uh, let's talk about the Cardinals. Let's start off with the injury report. It looks as if Kyler Murray's out again, correct? Yeah, it does look that way. Um, I I believe he will not play Kyler Murray. Um, he, they are all banged up and messed up once again, as you know. They've been battling that for the most part all season long. It just seems to continue to get worse. Hollywood Brown is a question mark. Don't know if he's going to go. Could be a game-time decision right there. DeAndre Hopkins. I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to go, but we've got no clarification on that. Um, Max Williams is a guy that has been an integral piece to their offense in the past. Last year he was for the first five, six weeks of the season. He might play. He might be activated. Um, but their left tackle is down, DJ, DJ Humphreys. And it's out. They're, they're kind of a mess. How big is the loss of Zach Ertz to this offense? Yeah, it's a big loss. Um, he was not only the security blanket, of course, of Kyler Murray um, on many downs, especially third down, but um, he's a guy that was a team leader, respected so greatly inside that locker room. Uh, yeah, they're going to miss him horribly. It'd be great if, in fact, you could get Hollywood Brown back and then have those three receivers together where you had Hollywood Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, and Rondale Moore run those three guys out on the field, um, but they're they're going to have to try to replace Zach Ertz and his production, and that's not an easy thing to do. And once again, as your offensive line is all banged up, Bru, it's it's bad, man. So you've been in that locker room. You've been in situations. Everybody is saying this is a must win for the Cardinals. They had to win two out of the three in the division games. This will be the third of those games. They're one and one right now. What are What is the key to success? If they're going to have a chance to beat the San Francisco 49ers, what must they do? That is it right there. That's the question. The first thing I can think of when I hear that question from you, bro, is they've got to win the line of scrimmage. They have to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, the 49ers are a team, um, one of the most physical teams in the National Football League on both sides of the ball. Their rush defense, stop and think about this, okay? Their rush defense 
which is their front seven, their defensive linemen and their linebackers, of course. They're number one in rushing yards per game allowed and number one in rushing yards per play allowed. Okay? <laughs> you you can't get a clearer metric than that right there. You can't run the ball against that front seven and do it with any type of consistency whatsoever. They like to get you in third and obvious pass situations and then go after you. And their pass rush as well, one of the best pass rushes in the National Football League. Um, they're number three, as a matter of fact, in sacks per attempt. And they don't need to blitz a quarterback. They don't need to come after um, Colt McCoy. They don't need to do it. All they need to do is rush four and drop seven, and they can still get consistent pressure. The reason being is because of Nick Bosa. I don't know if you've seen Nick Bosa <laughs> and how he's been playing this year, but Brew, he is on fire. He's a monster with a mouth guard. He comes off the edge. DJ Humphreys, the left tackle, is not going to play today for the Arizona Cardinals, so now all of a sudden you're going to have Josh Jones, who's done a decent job, but you're going to have him out there against a guy that's a monster with a mouth guard, and it could get really, really bad. We'll have to wait and see, but um, this is a good team. How they lost four games, I don't know. What's interesting about uh, football is what, what gets forgotten, and I know it's something you know better than most people that have, have been around the game, is how people forget about special teams and how important that third part of the game is to a win. You look what happened yesterday, much to the dismay of producer Julia and her New York Jets. You had a punt return for a touchdown. <laughs> you had a record You had a record kickoff return for a touchdown yesterday as well. Back to the old days of an old teammate of yours, and how important is special teams and could that be somewhere that the Cardinals could capitalize and keep it close? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, they have a very good special teams unit for the most part when their kicker is healthy, of course. Matt Prater is healthy. He should be good to go. And Andy Lee, of course, their punter, he's been around for a long time. So from the skill perspective, they have very good special teams. And that's part of not beating yourself. If, in fact, if in fact I had to pick a second key to this game, and number one was the line of scrimmage, number two would be don't beat yourself. And that means you need to have fundamentally sound special teams, man. Kickoff cover, kickoff return, punt, punt return, extra point and field goal. You've got to have fundamentally sound units. And Jeff Rogers, the special teams coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, does a great job of having his guys ready to go. That It's a huge part of what we're going to see here tonight. It is. It's a third of the game. You know how much I loved it, man. I I guarantee you right now, if in fact you wanted to show aliens what the game of football was all about, put on a real kickoff cover. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that to me defines the game, the ability to run down the field as fast as you possibly can and try to absolutely just sever the football from somebody who's running in the opposite direction. What did you what do you think when you see plays like yesterday, when you see a hundred and three yard kickoff return, when you see a punt return to win a game for a touchdown, that's gotta be that's got to get you jazzed up even a little bit more with your background. No, it definitely does, bro. Um, you know, especially, too, because of the kickoff return. I think the NFL is trying to do away with the kickoff return. I hope that doesn't happen. 
I've been told by some people in the know that it could be four or five years out. I hope it never gets to a point where they say we're, we're going to eliminate the kickoff, but it seems like they do that an awful lot. They're either kicking it out of the end zone, of course, which, you know, I understand you don't want a bunch of high-speed collisions, but at some point in time, you got to let the game breathe. you got to let the game be the game, and that's what it's all about. The essence is to move your body, move your frame at high speed, and collide into somebody else. Now, again, you can do it responsibly, take your head out of the equation, but, um, man, you eliminate the big hits in football, and all of a sudden, are you really playing football? That's just me. Wolf, it is always so good to talk to you, and I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, man. I look forward to seeing you next week, but uh, have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, tell everybody the same thing there for the Cardinals. It will do, man. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. All right, thanks. That is Ron Wolfley from the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports in Mexico City with the Cardinals. He's also your voice of the Arizona Cardinals here and a little preview of the game that happens tonight in Mexico City. Coming up in a moment, the president renews his calls for an assault weapons ban in light of what happened in Colorado. We'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Oh, you always know when Ed's here, the music is great. Welcome to the Mike Broomhead Show. Happy week of Thanksgiving. Um, Another horrible occurrence, this time at a bar in Colorado Springs where a shooter walked in and shot up the place, killing people, injuring others, and the patrons inside the club were able to subdue the suspect. He's in custody. And what we know about this person is that a couple of years ago, they threatened their mother with a homemade bomb. How this person got their hands on weapons, they they escaped the red flag laws. And the president of the United States renewed his call for assault weapons banned after senseless Colorado Springs shooting. Um they're investigating this as a hate crime. If you walk in anywhere and you shoot anybody, it's a hate crime. I, I don't I, I don't like the distinctions, but at the same time, it's heartbreaking to see that what human beings are capable of doing to other human beings. The problem lies in how we are dealing with these problems. Um the mental health issues that are happening in America, we have we're we're able to diagnose much more um quickly than we were 10, 15, 20 years ago. There's an acknowledgement of things that have been happening. We now know that there are lists for people that cannot own firearms because of these red flag laws. There are laws on the books that are supposed to help prevent people from getting weapons. Now, you know that most people are going to get them on the black market if they want them, you know, like that. But was this guy overlooked? Was he in the system and not supposed to be able to have a firearm? We're going to get all these questions answered. I would like to see answers to these killings as much as you would. Um, The division between us, the idea that rhetoric and hateful rhetoric against the LGBTQ community is what motivated this to happen. Um, Hate is hate. And and I I don't – 
the idea that there are people out there that don't agree with something, so therefore it's hate speech. I don't want to go down that road. We should be we should be mourning loss of life. I don't care if these were gay people or straight people or white people or non-white people. They're people. They're human beings. We are in Thanksgiving week, and there are families whose loved ones are gone. That the plans that they were making to celebrate Thanksgiving have been irreparably altered for the rest of their lives. Not just this Thanksgiving. It'll never be the same. It will never be the same. We should be focused on that. And instead, it turns into this political argument first about firearms. And second, it turns into a conversation about hate speech and a hate crime. Well, if you are going to take a gun and aim it and, po- and shoot at another human being, that in, that's the very definition of hate. It's the very definition of hate. The political arguments take away from what's really happening. And um, the idea that we are somehow going to change the hearts of people with some of these laws just isn't true. And that's my biggest issue with this is that we argue about the wrong things. We are discussing the wrong things. And we don't know what the motivation was for this guy. We have no clue if he was anti-gay in some way. We have no clue if he didn't, if he, whatever, if he knew this was a gay nightclub, if, who knows? And I don't care other than to figure out how, to what level of darkness you can go to to murder people. That's the issue for me is to see someone that is so devoid of emotion that you can just point a gun at people and pull the trigger. And arguing and having to argue now about the Second Amendment and then also the First Amendment because of, you know, there are people that don't agree and don't like what you're doing. They have every right to not like what you're doing. What they don't have a right to do is stop you from doing it and living your life the way you want to. There are a lot of people that don't like me. There are a lot of people out there that don't like the opinions that I have. There are a lot of people out there and they're entitled to their opinion. I would never want to take their opinion away from them. I've had I've been threatened. I've never been shot at, but I don't it has nothing to do with what mean things people say about me on social media. It's not going to motivate someone to go grab a gun and shoot me. If someone were going to do that, there's a different level of depravity in their head that allows them to pull the trigger and shoot another human being. And that's what we should be looking at. Those are the things we should be looking at. We've got to stop segregating people by choices that they make or who they are. You know, uh, we got to stop segregating people on race and and, uh, religion and sexual orientation and gender identity. We got to... People are people. In the end, we are all facing our own struggles in life, every single one of us. And when there is someone that is mentally ill enough and dangerous enough that they've gone to a dark place so bad that they will level a gun at strangers and open fire, it has nothing to do with all the rhetoric that's going on around us. And the longer we go down that road and we try to stop people from speaking their mind or whatever it is, the the worse off we're going to be. And I just hope that this can be an area where people now start looking at lives lost and say, that's the tragedy. That's where the tragedy this is. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, we're going to talk about uh, climate change and what the White House says they might need to do.